the Operations Leadership Podcast with Gautam Basu provides insights for today's business leaders on creating value through operations improvement, process excellence, digital innovation, and organizational leadership. Our guest for this episode is Mr. Tangi Kaye. Tangi is a subject matter expert and a very experienced individual with two decades of experience in the field of supply chain planning, more specifically sales and operations planning, or SNOP, and integrated business planning, or IBP. He is currently the senior vice president of O9 Technologies, which is a supply chain planning software solution. And Tangi, during the course of his career, has consulted with and advised many different leading global organizations around this topic of supply chain planning. So in this episode, Tangi will go into depth about the process, the technological solutions, and the organizational components around IBP. And we hope you will be able to get some insights and glean some knowledge from Tangi during this episode. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, Tangi, and welcome to the Operations Leadership Podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Very good, very good. So, Tangi, uh, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit more about yourself and how you got interested and involved in supply chain planning, more specifically SNOP and integrated business planning. Yes, so as you could imagine, Gotham, uh, probably a long story, but... Uh, I will definitely try to to make it uh, to make it short, but I think in a short way, right? Uh, I started to work in uh, 2000 uh, through warehouse management, uh, software implementation, and barcode and labeling. So uh, connected to ERP. So I was implementing those systems, and uh, at the time I was also looking for the next job. And I was in UK and I looked for, okay, what should I do? And, and the word supply chain management came out, right? And in my studies, I only had one day around MRP, if you would think about it, right? So MRP, planning topic, five years of master degree study, only one day in planning. But anyway, I, I stumbled into supply chain management and I thought, wow, I mean, that's great, right? This is exactly the, the topic I'd like to, to, to work with and a planning topic looks complex, but also the idea of connecting the dots end-to-end in the supply chain um, felt appealing. Yeah? So I moved on into consulting and, uh, and for supply chain management in a company called GenM Management Consulting, which I worked for for 11 years, and then we got acquired by EY, and then I moved into for seven other years of at EY, where at the end I was leading the, the global planning practice, and that's where we met together. So. Planning has always been then a part of me, so to speak, and I think uh, it's all the appeal of, of trying to solve complex problems at the end. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, I mean, your genesis was around the warehouse management systems and processes, which is more considered execution, then you moved more towards the planning dimension. So, that, that's, exactly. that's great. Um, and. Regarding planning, operational planning, specifically SNOP or sales and operations planning, 
or IBP, Integrated Business Planning, this has been around for a little while now. So could you tell us what your view of the evolution uh, in terms of methods, uh, approaches, processes, and technological tools? You know, I would say in the last 5, 10, 15 years, because this has been around for several decades. So what is your view since you've been so close to the planning dimension? How do you see this evolution? Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent question because we are seeing um, so much uh, changes lately, and I think technology is playing a key role. And I'm, we are going to discuss about it. But uh, the key thing is first is to look at it from a process perspective. So you know, and we know, uh, SNOP has been there for a long time, right? And and Oliver White um, been pushing this for 30, 40 years. And the idea of Oliver White, even from the beginning of SNOP, was already having this capacity to align a company around uh, sales, marketing, supply chain, of course. So that means operation, logistics, and, and financial side. And that was already the original idea, but they were probably too uh, soon and innovative uh, for their time. Um, and at the end, SNOP just kind of became a, a supply chain topic and a, and a kind of a demand and supply matching topic at first. So I think people realize, or supply chain people realize, uh, I need to know about the demand. So let me forecast what my sales marketing people are going to sell so that I can actually um, order my products up front and, and somehow not be late uh, for having product in stock when the sales guys are going to turn back and then say, okay, where is my product so I can sell it? So I think SNOP started very in an humble way, let's say, uh, but still with the, um, uh, the ambition to align the company. Um, so that's SNOP, and it has been with us um, since a long time. Now, I think I've been speaking with quite a lot of Oliver White friends, and at, uh, 10 years ago, they decided to push for IBP. And I think the, the reason why they, they went on to IBP was to, to try to get away from just uh, being a supply chain process. I mean, they, they understood that actually only the supply chain community picked it up. So then IBP was the effort of Oliver White to, to educate companies around the need now to uh, add sales and marketing through the portfolio management review part and, of course, the demand review part in a much more accountable way. And then um, bringing also the financial community in through the integrated reconciliation and then the management business review part, of course. And to be able to evaluate the plan and, and the monthly cycle through finally the financial impact it has on the company. So kind of really linking strategy, financial planning with supply chain, and then let's call it operational tactical planning. So that was, I think, the the journey that uh, we went on uh, from a, a process perspective. Right. Yeah, so if I understood you correctly, Tangi, I mean, uh, of course, integrated business planning, there's more the financial alignment and financial planning that gets incorporated in this, uh, let's say, cross-functional sales marketing operations, uh, you know, uh, logistics, et cetera, but incorporating more this financial reconciliation. So you you mentioned that that was already about 10 years uh, that uh, folks like Oliver White were doing. So do you see now in the, let's say, the last few years, do you see 
another evolution, I mean, with some of either the technologies or, you know, the d demand sensing with some of the real-time or, or, or near-real-time near uh, information being incorporated to do demand sensing. Do you see that also as, as kind of an evolutionary perspective as well? Well, I would say first, um, the ambition of doing IVP um, is easy kind of to write on a book, right? But to make it happen in a company, uh, of course, um, there is a lot of challenges. What, what I have seen, if you want, as an evolution is the fact that um, the collaboration aspect, the um, go, going across the silos between the different functions of the company, that has definitely evolved. Um, and a lot of companies have maturity now to, to be able to work together. But I think what happened is what is happening still now is the biggest challenge for doing an IBP process is technology. And today, many companies, most of the companies, are still ill-equipped to actually correctly run the IBP as per as per the book is saying, right? And the reason is that the silos now is not so much in the the head of people. I would say the, the silos are in data, and and companies have built over the years a very heterogeneous landscape on the IT side, which basically means uh, one function, one IT system, one database, Yeah, if I make it simple. And that uh, is still there today for, the, for most of the companies. So the challenge today is like, guys are like, hey, um, I'm sales and marketing, I'm supply chain. I'd like to meet together, of course, but I want to speak about the same plans. I want to understand the same thing between us. And the, then what's happening is people then spend days in Excel to try or BW system to, to reconcile various database together so that everybody can speak about the same thing. So I think that's this realization which is now pushing companies to reevaluate their IT landscape and saying, how do I enable IBP for real now? And that means I need to be able to do commercial planning, supply chain planning, and financial planning in the same data model, same platform. Um, it sounds ambitious, but I believe, I mean, and, and then the, with nine solutions, uh, the company I'm working with, uh, we strongly believe that it is a reality, it's possible. Um, and that's where we are all going. And, and I think that's where the next generation IBP, or we could call it enterprise business planning, is something that is becoming reality today. Right. Yeah, so I mean, it, you know, of course data and having the data quality and having the one plan moving forward across the different functions, it's a powerful uh, ambition. And so, you know, hopefully uh, from a technological perspective that data will be available uh, so that one, the company can actually do this one plan and all, everybody being on the same page. You mentioned this 09 technology. So I understood that this was uh, founded by uh, one of the OGs of supply chain planning, uh, Sanjeev Sidhu. So could you tell us a little bit more? Because he was with I2 Technologies, and uh, I know you and I are familiar with implementing I2 solutions. So can you tell us a little bit more about 09 and what you're doing there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I, I think um, with what we just discussed, um, and what Sanjeev did uh, moving from I2 to O9, um, it's been basically part of that journey. So, and I think that's where we are seeing uh, Sanjeev being a very visionary person. And I would like to add 
um, Chakri Gautamakala, our CEO, uh, who has also who has been basically also the, the brain, let's say, behind uh, behind the technology. Uh, of course, with the early team uh, of of the O9ers. So, um, what happened is Sanjeev um, basically had the vision of of an integrated planning landscape, uh, the capacity for companies to plan um, their um, functions, um, irrespective of which functions, by the way, uh, into a, a one one platform. Yeah, that was a vision to enable really breaking the silos and creating efficiencies. In, in decision making, yeah, uh, and decision making being a short term, mid term, long term of. Now, uh, the decision for switching is is really, I think, Sanjeev recognized, and I cannot speak for him, but this is my the way that uh, I, I interpret it is it recognized that um, uh, the technology he had in his hand with IQ from a um, platforming from a data model. A database and, and solvers uh, and, and user interface was not anymore um, uh, good enough uh, to be achieving the vision. And he had to basically start, start from scratch again and replatform everything. Yeah. And the key, I think the key thing is why 2009, it was basically the time when there was enough maturity in um, big data, cloud computing, AI, ML, open platform concept. Um, I think that was like already. 10 years down the road where open source was starting to really take hold, you know. So all the, the things on, on Hadoop, on Horton, on, on many other concepts. Then he also kind of like knew that he had to reinvent um, what the data model is and go away from relational databases. And and relational database, which is the foundation of the cubes and, and, and basically all planning systems today, I would say, except online, is still using the same concept, um, had strong limitations in terms of scalability, flexibility, and, and extensibility. And I, I can spend a bit of time behind explaining behind the concept. So, but the key thing was to innovate around graph databases and to combine graph and cube databases together to take the advantage of both technologies and, and make a new technology, if I want, and to say, and that's the innovation, the patented innovation that Sanjeev Chakri and the early O9ers team actually worked for five years. So, so O9 for five years was basically a development house um, where uh, we built the system, um, spent time to make it cloud agnostic. So that means um, with the recognition that our customers would not want to be locked in to any cloud architecture. So we, you need to basically go to a customer and give him the liberty to, to choose between Azure, um, between Google Cloud, or between AWS. Those are the three main ones. Um, and that we know that our customers have all their own cloud strategy today. And, and so the only question they ask is, can you fit in into my cloud, right? Uh, and the answer from an online perspective is yes, right? Uh, because that's the only way you can scale, right? Because uh, they have large contracts with those cloud providers, and uh, they they want to be able to to go as big as possible when it comes to data sizing and computing power. So, so online, that's the foundation is to be able to have an enterprise business planning system that can act, platform, sorry, which is open. Uh, that means that can connect to outside data, any source of data that can run any 
types of solvers. So we have our own solvers, but we know that customers also have solvers that they have been working for many years, and that fits very well their current problem statement. So why basically tell them, no, no, what you have done is not good. Let's, let's just go to mine, even though mine might not be as fine-tuned to your business problem, and let's redevelop it, which is not a good answer. So, so basically, flexibility to customers to, to, to create also their own IT by, because every customer has something special, right? They, they are running their company, their operating model in a different way than others, even if they are in the same industry. So also coming to them with, let's say, that's my template for food and beverage company. And because XYZ have it, then it's good enough for you, right? Now, what you see in today's situation, in, we are in 2022 now, is omnichannel is here. Um, going to e-commerce, going direct to consumer, uh, B2B, B2C, they all have now different flavors, right? Companies are in, in, in kind of com, um, constant state of motion about how do they address their market. The market is switching uh, very fast. COVID is another case where... Uh, the consumer base shifted very fast away from retail, uh, traditional retail channel to e-commerce because people could not anymore uh, go to their retail stores, right? So many companies have to adapt permanently, and now we have the proof. So you cannot get your IT solution, uh, your platform, in a kind of a lockstep or, con- I mean, basically being something that is absolutely not flexible. I think that's over. And that was a recognition of, of Sanjeev and the team 10 years ago, 12 years ago now, um, that uh, a new system and a new platform needed to be created to cater for, for this situation. That was very visionary at the time. And I would say O9 is, is basically the APS 2.0 uh, of this uh, market and this, uh, the true innovation solution. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean. Uh... It seems to me, as you said, this flexibility, this uh, scalability and extensibility is uh, is factored into the 09 uh, uh, model. Um, and you were mentioning about also the rise of, let's say, e-commerce and online platforms. So does that make um, demand and supply matching uh, easier or more difficult? <laughs> Very good question. Um... Actually, it makes it more difficult, uh, and it does require uh, a new set of technological capabilities to help you do that at scale. So let me let me get to to that point, right? So if you go to e-commerce, you go you individualize the, the orders basically. Um, so that means before, if you would sell to a retail channel, um, classically, if I am an industrial company. I can basically sell a big order, um, which is going to represent, I don't know, the next two weeks of consumption of that retailers. And I'm sending some 10 full trucks load of, of product, right? And this is the job of the retailers to, to put it into the stores and individual consumers go to the shelf, pick up the product, and that's it. Now, if you imagine that the same consumers individually are going to order to you via your website, and you need to deliver each of them individually. So instead of having 10 trucks and one order, you basically hand yourself into tens of thousands of orders and 10,000 of shipments, right? And to 
basically you the challenge is you have to match each single orders so that means that's a done to order planning and then you have to have the capacity from your IT infrastructure to deal with the workload which is completely different as well from a planning perspective so that is the big shift in terms of companies realizing and one of our key customers Nike is is basically going through that journey and Actually, I ordered um, um, shoes for my son like two weeks ago on, on the Nike app, and it is amazing, right? It is, uh, you have all the product there. It is very easy. You get delivered fast. You can return the product fast. So, so this is a new age, right? But if you don't have the uh, IT capability to deal with that and the supply chain configuration, of course, um, all those things come together, then you will be stuck into not um, in the past in a way but not being able to realize that vision. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. And I, I think uh, the whole e-commerce and online channels, they're here to stay. Uh, I don't think they're going away. But maybe I can ask you a question, I mean, regarding just the business environment. It seems that businesses are facing more complexity and uncertainty. If you look at things like global pandemic, geopolitical conflict, inflationary pressure, uh, trade disruptions, uh, labor shortages, et cetera. How do you see um, these items being taken into account from a planning perspective? Is that, uh, are you embedding things like supply chain risk management into the overall planning, um, let's say, framework? Um, how, how are you incorporating these, let's say, uncertainties in planning? Yes, so that is uh, one of the challenges of the coming uh years right so there are excellent um supply chain risk solutions uh, over there um and and first of all supply chain risk is uh, starting with the capacity to connect to various various uh, and many source of data which are external right so there is good thing right with also the esg movement um and and all what's going on around sustainability so sustainability and risk uh, are all kind of connected together also with supply chain. And and people are looking for, okay, um, what is going to be uh, my certification of origins, right? Um, uh, child labor, um, uh, um, things around, uh, of course, uh, uh, ports are being open. I mean, we know in the U.S. how difficult uh, the, the port solution, the port situation has been in California with the, the, uh, the bottleneck around the containers, et cetera. So, uh, the flooding risk, the the the, the wall things around uh, um, storms. I mean, which are coming with global warming, uh, putting um, uh, location at risk in the future. Right, it's still a long term situation, but you might have also very short term disruptions into your supply chain. So there are many many different risks that are there. The the key thing is you need to have the capacity to take those data in and connect the dots to your internal supply chain. And I think that's where the biggest challenge is from a technology perspective, right? Um, you, you have your own data internally in your company. And then what you realize is, okay, all those information is out there. But how do I match this information to my internal in data? Because the only way that I can get insights about the impact of external risks to my internal supply chain is to be able to say that risk is for that supplier that is making those products that are basically key component of my finished good over here, which then impact customer A, B, C. 
So unless you have the capacity to create a digital twin supply chain, let's call it extended supply chain, which goes even to tier one, tier two, tier three of your suppliers, um, then you would have a very hard time to, to connect the dots and to make sense of those data. Because so the difficulty number one is get the data. Difficulty number two is uh, connect those data between themselves, uh, but and then to your uh, own supply chain. Difficulty number three is inside your own supply chain, make sense of those uh, risks and then being able to take decisions uh, and understand the impact financially for you and down to which market and customers, uh, uh, which is at the front end of your supply chain. So, so that's um, how does viability and risk are taken into account. Uh, but I think the other key um, um, topic is, is scenario planning, right? I think because there is, um, if you take it from a scholar perspective, right, um, all those risk and viabilities, one could say, hey, we need to run stochastic uh, supply chain. All right, stochastic supply chain, of course, makes a lot of sense. Now, um, how do you apply stochasticity into a deterministic planning system? It's pretty hard, right? Um, what you can do is, is you can say, okay, let's vary uh, the probability of an inventory safety stock to be consumed, probability of a lead time to move from, uh, from uh, the five days to 13 days or whatever. But in, inherently, what's happening is you would like to vary those different um, numbers, so this lead time, this yield, this demand viability, and you would like to create a scenario for each of them, so that because that's kind of like a Monte Carlo simulation, right? You want to test all those scenarios and then uh, understand how much your supply chain is going to vary inside the boundaries or outside the boundaries you set your, you set yourself, right? From an operational readiness. Now that. As the size of a large company, global one, you, you probably, we are reaching out limits in terms of, I mean, you cannot make thousands and ten thousands of scenarios and then compare them, right? I mean, at the size. Now, what we can do today, and we are seeing it with our own customers, um, we can already today automatically generate, let's say, 10, 15, 20 different supply scenarios to 10, 15 different demand scenarios. So at least we are in, in, in a place where, I mean, we came in a place where today companies could only do one demand plan and then one supply plan through an SNOP cycle or through a weekly cycle. And today what we can do is we can get to 20, 30 different demand plans that can be matched with another 20, 30 different supply plans. And then you have the capacity to understand, okay, what is the right combination, right? Um, between uh, between those different scenarios. So this is today where, with our technology, we we stand. Now we could multiply this, but then it's only a question about the size of your cloud and how much money you're willing to spend into the cloud to to have then hundreds of scenarios, right? Uh, because that's a that's a limitation we are talking about now. So I think a long discussion uh, on this topic. Uh, but there is various different dimensions and aspects that needs to be taken into account. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's 
very interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're you're a very experienced guy, Tangi, and, and you've dealt with many different global customers who are engaging in the supply chain planning, demand and supply uh, balancing. So what would be kind of your advice or guidance for companies that are just kind of getting into the journey of, of supply chain planning, maybe they're, uh, let's say, novices, uh, what would be kind of the your advice to them getting in the journey? Yeah, and this is interesting, you know, because um, we are seeing and I'm seeing, um, uh, let's say, a group of companies which are uh, primal accident of, of first-timers into the supply chain planning technology world, right? It, it sounds crazy uh, in 2022, but it is also reality. Now, and I think what is happening is uh, in 2000, let's say IQ Technology was the first company and in, in the 90s to really get into the planning stuff. And I think the wider adoption of planning systems started in, 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 in reality in 2000, right? Um, and we had a wave of implementation of the early adopters in 20, from 20, 2000 to 2010. And then those kind of lived through that. And now what we see today is we see the next wave of, of replacement, let's say. So companies uh, used uh, their current solution for 10, 15 years, and now they are kind of like, okay, now what's the next move? At the same time, I'm seeing uh, another side of companies where they never jumped on that first wave of planning system uh, for various reasons. Uh, so we have companies which have Excels uh, using for planning. They still rely on the MRP uh, planning function of their uh, ERP system. Um, or they, they have some kind of BW capabilities. So they are the first one kind of like now looking into, okay, now it's time to, to jump ship, right? And to, to go into planning solutions. Now, What's the right advice to, to if you are either in a replacement solution or, or a replacement time frame, or if you are into a new uh, first time uh, situation? I, the problem is that it's kind of the same, right? I think the, the first thing is you need to look for what is going to be a future proof planning solution capability. Yeah. Uh, and what do I mean by future proof? I mean, it has to be a platform and a solution that is going to um, grow with you as a company. It has to be. So I'm going back to the triptych of scalability, flexibility, and extensibility. So what do I mean by that? Um, flexibility means I can change the data model alongside my evolution of my operating model. And I think the, the best example to explain this to, to the audience is uh, when companies went from single channel of distribution to to two levels, so let's say I was doing just doing retail, let's do distributor business, and then oh, our e-commerce started. And in commerce, e-commerce have also various declination of of channels. So as when I went to omnichannel, many companies got stuck into with their old planning solution because the old planning solution could only do retail, but they could not extend it. So that means the flexi first the flexibility to modify to add new channels, and then the extension is to add additional data dimensions or or to add new data or new workflows, right? So that I, have, I can start to plan sales uh, planning all this all these type of things in the same platform. So extensibility and and flexibility is all about evolving the solution 
with the, the changes of operating model of your company and the fact that your company is growing and or, or let's say also the company might be uh, divesting a part of its business. So, so companies are a living organism and, and the solution needs to, to go with it. And finally, the scalability is a consequence of flexibility and extensibility is that you have to be able to continue to run at scale with, with more and more data flowing into your platform. So that means that if I want to connect, we spoke about supply chain risk, uh, we were going to get uh, millions of data points on top. If I look at um, demand sensing, we talked about it quickly, but demand sensing is all about bringing external data and drivers from the demand side, so of my consumers or my uh, retailers, and then use this to take, make a better forecast about what's going to happen in the market. All of those data points uh, I mean, explode the database uh, size, right? And and if you have not uh, accounted for that in your technology landscape, then actually you you get into uh, performance issues, and and then you have customers highly dissatisfied because uh, maybe uh, during the pilot it looks like you click a button and you get the report, and now when you get all the data in, uh, you click a button and you have the time to get your coffee and come back, right? And and when you do planning, it's not possible, right? You cannot do that anymore. So and and not with the modern consumer experience we have with our mobile phone, when everything is available on one click. Yeah. So so that is highly frustrating for for the new generation of planners as well. So so your solution needs to be future proof. It has to be open. You your data scientist needs to be able to use any data in your platform. You need to be able to program. In R, to code in R or Python, uh, all your data scientist uh, algorithms you'd like to run uh, in the platform. Um, you need to be able to bring new solvers in depending on the case you're trying to solve for because the one size fits all, of course, doesn't work anymore. And then you have to also flexible user interface because um, uh, your planners being now kind of the millennials guys, um, they need to be, you need to be able to change it to evolve it. Uh, you need to be able to create new output. Um, and sometimes we have customers which are not using our UI and saying, I want to have a one unified UI across all my systems in my company. So let me take that part as well. Right? And you need to give that flexibility to your customers. So many, many capabilities need to be looked at as being future-proof. And I think the solutions which comes with out of the box, uh, where you say, and we have customers saying, no, I just want, very simple, out of the box, you know, um, standard, etc. Um, and because I am a very mature company, uh, and that's that's good enough for me for five years. And then I'm asking them, but why would you spend so much time implementing uh, a solution which you know that will only carry you for five years, and then you will start again the same process in five years time? Why would you do that? Yeah. No, this is uh, this is very interesting and very insightful, Tangi. So, want to uh, thank you for your for your uh, guidance on uh, uh, supply chain operational planning. So, if our listeners want had any questions or want to get in touch with you, uh, how 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 would they let's say uh, get in contact with you? Yeah. Well, as easy as as LinkedIn, um, I'm Tangi Kaye over there. So, C A I L L E T, and uh, of course. Uh, um, I'm on online solutions. You can find me easily over there. So uh, happy to to take on questions and uh, continue the discussion. I'm sure there are very different point of views also um, out there. 
but I think uh, uh, with the dialogue, we can uh, definitely look at, okay, what is best for, for um, all our customers and clients who are looking for, uh, for solutions that will help them mature into the planning function and give them a, a competitive advantage. Because I think today, I mean, we talked a long time for, um, this is not, uh, this is a supply chains against supply chains. Uh, as, as a competitive story. But yes, it is a reality. And I think uh, planning capability uh, with the right platform, um, the efficiency you can gain out of it by taking faster decisions, better decisions, which are more aligned to your financial objectives. Uh, we are already seeing it with some of our customers uh, that are starting to realize the gains. And they are definitely um, taking an edge uh, against a competition. So to me, there is there is a strong situation. There is a strong, let's say, uh, perspective today where companies which are early adopters of new planning solutions are going to leapfrog competition because they will be able to operate in a more efficient and nimble way, uh, and and be able also to react faster to the type of situations we saw with COVID, right? And we saw companies which uh, blossom um, through the changes, and they could adapt. And then we saw companies we just could not. And I think that is a kind of a test proof uh, that is showing which companies are ready for the next challenges coming and which are the ones which will still struggle because they have not been equipped uh, processes, organization-wise, people-wise, and technology-wise. Right. Wonderful. Well, great stuff, Tangi. Thank you so much for your uh, insightful advice. And, uh, and, and thanks, thanks again. Well, thank you, Gautam, for giving me this uh, opportunity to speak with uh, your audience and definitely looking forward for an, uh, another opportunity. I think it's always nice to be able to, to share those thoughts. That's it for this week's Operations Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.